Hello, and welcome to Clinical Nutrition Notes, a podcast where we speak with guest experts and opinion leaders about the art and science of clinical nutrition. Brought to you by Nestle Health Science Canada, this podcast is intended for healthcare professionals for education purposes. I am your host, Monica Beck, Medical Affairs Manager with Nestle Health Science. Today, we will be talking with Heather Keller about the Canadian Malnutrition Task Force and new initiatives from this group. Dr. Keller is the Schlegel Research Chair in Nutrition and Aging at the University of Waterloo. Her research programs are focused on improving the nutritional status and food intake of older adults. Professor Keller has published widely and translates research into practice with practitioner tools and resources. As a founding member and past chair of the Canadian Malnutrition Task Force, she is involved in advocating for improvements in nutrition care. Dr. Keller is currently chair of the primary care working group for the task force and involved in several national and international expert groups advancing the prevention, detection, and treatment of malnutrition. Thank you for joining us, Heather. You've been an instrumental part of the Canadian Malnutrition Task Force, or CMTF for short. Today, we will be talking about malnutrition in Canada and more specifically, key initiatives and the direction of the CMTF. Heather, to begin, can you briefly describe what the CMTF is and why this group started in Canada? Well, CMTF is um, basically a group of researchers and clinicians who are really interested in making improvements in nutrition care in Canada. And specifically, we wanted to cover all sectors of healthcare, but started with the hospital sector. Um, We were really concerned about the fact that we were seeing malnutrition people coming into hospital, leaving hospital malnourished, and we weren't doing our best quality care for those folks in terms of uh, nutrition. And we recognized that a study would actually be a way to demonstrate that this was actually happening and that it was important to the health of Canadians. So we decided to start the CMTF actually as a research group, not as a knowledge translation or advocacy group as it is now today, but more as a group that would lead a study called the Nutrition Care and Canadian Hospitals Study, and to lead it and demonstrate the importance of malnutrition to healthcare. That's great, Heather, and I think that really sets the stage well for what we can continue to talk about here. I wanted to move on and maybe ask you for a little bit more detail about the study you referred to, the Nutrition Care and Canadian Hospital Study. I know it gave us an understanding and an appreciation of malnutrition and nutrition care in Canadian hospitals. There's one statement that I've seen you make, and that's that you've indicated that hospital malnutrition starts in the community. Can you elaborate a little bit on this statement? Sure. So people come up, obviously, from the community, retirement homes, long-term care homes, into hospital for acute care of a condition, whatever that may be. So if they come into hospital and at the, within the first day or so admission, we notice that they're malnourished, apparently then the malnutrition is happening in the community. And so unless there's been a recent readmission, like in the last week or so they were in hospital, it's very likely that malnutrition is happening and starting in the community sector. Right. So, and you had said where the initial focus was on acute care and in hospitals, it's exciting that out of that work that focused on an acute care setting, new directions for the CMTF have emerged. And one of those new directions I know is focusing on primary care. Can you sort of give us a sense of what clinicians can expect to see related to this community-focused initiative? Sure. Maybe I'll just back up a little bit to say that when we did the hospital work, we identified gaps in care, and that led us to what we consider better practices. And so 
that sort of pathway is what we're trying to follow with the primary care community sector to, one, establish that the, what the prevalence of the issue is, with the gaps in care as well that are happening, and then to develop better practices and resources to then support primary care. So um, last year, we actually had a knowledge exchange uh, where we brought people from across Canada interested in primary care. We basically used our network to find people that uh, were working in that sector, whether they be dietitians or nurses or physicians, brought them together and said, okay, what's going on in your region of the country with respect to primary care and nutrition? And, and basically recognized that there was no one model that was working across all regions. There were some areas that had very little uh, going on because they didn't have outpatient dietitians or they didn't have a real interest in the primary care sector yet with respect to nutrition. And other sectors that are other regions of the country where there actually was quite a bit of work already going on. So there was, compared to hospital, this uh, diversity in what was going on in the community sector. So that was a first key takeaway. And, uh, and we realized that if we were going to do the same sort of thing that we did in acute care, we had to perhaps move towards a pathway uh, of care and looking at how that could happen to realize it needs to be very flexible, uh, regional um, differences could be seen within it, and still something improving nutrition care of, of uh, community um, patients still happening in some shape or form. So it's still evolving, but what we're hoping to see is um, basically a pathway that can help us with patients moving from hospital into home, going home, what should happen to them to make sure they're doing well. And for those folks that are coming into a primary care sector, older adults is our focus because, you know, that group tends to be highly vulnerable. Um, and what we'd be doing with respect to care of those folks to detect and treat uh, malnutrition that's happening so before they come into hospital. Uh, one of the things I forgot to mention was that when we did our first study with that hospital study, we actually asked a variety of things of people when they came into the hospital. And it demonstrated basically that the most vulnerable groups coming into hospital are older adults, those who've been in hospital a few times in the last five years, those who um, were frail in terms of requiring other people or supports to get food into the home. And so we recognize that was a vulnerable group, and that's why we're using the primary care sector, trying to focus in on that group again. They're the most vulnerable group to malnutrition, more likely to end up in hospital, and more likely than a group that we can perhaps prevent or delay that admission to hospital with, with care in the community. Uh, that's great. Uh, thanks for providing uh, a really good sort of snapshot of what we can look forward to. And uh, I love that you use the word adapting, specifically regionally across the country where there are such differences in, um, in the way community care is delivered. One thing I wanted to ask you about was Canadian clinicians frequently turn to the CMTF as a resource. I'm wondering if you could share what sorts of information and tools they're most often looking for. Great question. So after we finished that first nutrition care and Canadian hospital study, we realized that uh, we'd actually raised a lot of interest and awareness in in this issue. And we thought, oh, we're, we're a research group. We do, we're uh, standing committee of the Canadian Nutrition Society. We're just going to do this study and then walk away and hopefully things will take care of themselves. Well, that's not the way things happen, of course. And so um, we realized very early on after we finished that study, um, it was Dr. Chris Boy who said this to, to me. He said, Heather, we've, we've basically uh, made a lion of the community in, in, in the sense of the hospital sector. And now we have to feed the lion. We have to actually support <laughs> that lion to do what it wants to do which is actually right. change practice for the betterment of patients. 
And so the, the best resources, so our, our website is actually where all these resources are held. They're all freely available to the healthcare sector for use. There's no charge to any of the materials we create. They're all uh, often created collaboratively through stakeholders, um, often with a research process, um, but um, some are also created and just shown to be worthwhile and working well. And I, I guess the things that are most relevant to people are the very practical things. Um, one of the key outshots of, of our first knowledge translation was developing a pathway for acute care. Uh, unlike the community sector, we all have in every region of the country, there's a dietitian in every hospital. At least there is that resource. And we could build around um, a pathway of what would be the, the best care that could happen to a patient in a hospital. We call that the integrated nutrition pathway for acute care. So that resource is hugely um, uh, uh, important to clinicians and, and frequently downloaded. And people talk about implementing the impact, which is the short form for it. And this idea that we can do strategic activities during a mission for a patient and it leads to their better outcomes with respect to length of stay. And so we've shown that in a couple of studies now that it does make some improvements in care processes. And in a current study, we're trying to see if it actually changed some of the health outcomes for patients. So that's one key thing, this pathway of care. Secondly, we've got resources around screening tools, resources around how to do assessments, uh, resources with respect to if you're looking for all those uh, better activities, the things that you might be able to do. So, for example, one of the um, key issues we found in the hospital sector in terms of a gap in care was we weren't always providing food in a way that people could eat it. There were lots of barriers in the environment uh, in the hospital that affected their consumption of food. And so we created as a research process, a graduate student of mine and, and I created this um, tool called the Mealtime Audit Tool, which can then be used by hospitals to say, okay, if we're going to audit our unit or our ward to see how we're doing in terms of uh, barriers to food intake, how are we doing? And so we created that tool. Um, and it's a research, it can be used in research or it can be used in practice. So I think that's probably a, a key we've created. Yeah, that's, that's excellent. Yeah, we created tools that are have a research basis, but are practical, that they can be used in the clinical perspective. So I'm hoping with our primary care work that we're doing, we'll do the same sort of thing, create a pathway that is evidence-informed based on stakeholders' knowledge and what we think can work regionally, and then start testing it out and building in the resources to support people across the country with doing the key activities we think are important to prevent, detect, and treat malnutrition in that community sector. Yeah, no, I think that's a great explanation. And to see how a research-based tool can end up having such uh, practical applications and probably turned up some really surprisingly simple barriers that could be corrected. Another key resource that I think that um, I should mention is that we've been holding the Canadian Malnutrition Week for the last four or five weeks, I guess, or four, four or five years, I should say. Um, and that as part of that campaign, we do webinars around a focused topic area and we do infographics. And we know that colleagues across the country have then used those webinars as lunch and learns with their colleagues, or they've used the infographics in their hospital setting or other settings to raise awareness basically of the issue of, of malnutrition in the community or in the hospital sector. So this year we're doing it all on the community and we have two wonderful new infographics focused in that area. So something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. um, Heather, what would you suggest to someone just starting to tackle the issue of malnutrition within his or her facility or practice setting? Yeah, that's a great question as well. So I think um, 
often clinicians who are, I'll call them champions for a better word, um, that knows there's an issue and wants to make change. They have to get their colleagues around them to also realize this is a priority. And so regardless of you being in a community setting or in a hospital setting or a long-term care setting, it's basically demonstrating to your colleagues that this is an issue. And so we recommend that folks actually collect their own data to show that in our hospital, in our community, in our long-term care home, this is the state of the issue. It's not some other home, not some other community, not some other hospital. It really is happening here. So that's the first step. And so having valid and, and reliable tools available for people to screen and assess and demonstrate the level of malnutrition. That's the first step. The second would be then to also think about um, how we can start actually doing that as part of practice routinely, because the literature and our evidence suggests that when you identify uh, nutrition risk and malnutrition, it then leads to the treatment pathway. And so figuring out how you can change towards that better practice of detection is key. What we recommend is gathering together a small group of people within whatever sector you're in and working in and talk about how can we start screening uh, for nutrition risk or malnutrition in this setting? And what will we do with those people that are identified at nutrition risk to lead to the next step for their care? Building a small team collectively rather than one person trying to do it on their own builds that capacity. And we suggest that that be um, a multidisciplinary or interprofessional team rather than a single uh, clinical group or discipline group, because that way you're going to build, again, that support for making change across the board. Nutrition isn't exactly right? It's, it's, it's many disciplines. And so we have to actually involve a broad group of people. For sure. And, and the other advantage, I would think, is picking up uh, more champions along the way as you're involving more people in the process. Exactly. So we found with the Mortite Phase 1 study where we were putting the integrated nutrition pathway for acute care into five hospitals, we found there were some, I wouldn't say naysayers, but some people were like skeptical at the beginning saying, oh yeah, you can try the screening, but it's not going to really change anything. By the end of the year and a half of that study, they were gung-ho. They were believers and they saw the benefit to their patients. And I think that's key when people see, this helps my patients. And then helps me then as provider to provide the best quality care, they're then hooked. And so that's essential that we start that process even in a small way and people can see that, hey, that person might have missed, might have stayed longer in hospital because we missed that malnutrition. Now it's getting out sooner with a better quality of life and better health. And so that's, that's the hook that we have. That's great. And what a great motivator for somebody just starting off. Uh, wanting to look at this and also having the tools to go and access so that they don't have to feel like they're uh, starting from square one completely on their own. So Heather, I'd like to thank you so much for your insights and providing us with a glimpse of what to expect from the CMTF as time goes on. Uh, as we know, malnutrition is a serious issue across care settings, and so it's really helpful to know that there are resources out there to assist in the detection, prevention, and management of malnutrition in Canada. Before we sign off, I'd love to take just a minute to ask you one last question, just so our listeners can get to know you a little bit better. Can you tell us how you first became interested in the field of nutrition? It was sort of by default, quite frankly. Um, I, was, I was planning to go to uh, a university. I got a scholarship on a music scholarship, and I failed my grade 8 piano exam. You had oh, two instruments no. that time. And I realized I probably don't want to teach violin to children for the rest of my life. And so my mother said, well, 
Healthcare is a good option. Heather, this was, you know, the, the 80s. Uh, healthcare is a good option or being a teacher. I thought, well, I don't want to be a teacher. <laughs> I'll go into healthcare. And I didn't want to be a nurse. So I thought, well, food. I like food. I worked in restaurants. I'd done 4-H as a, as a kid with my mom. We grew food at home. I thought, food's interesting. I have no idea what I'll do with that, but I'm sure it'll be helpful. And uh, I haven't looked back since those days. Isn't that great? So what started out as a second choice quickly became a passion. On that note, we will conclude this podcast. I'd like to thank you, Heather, for joining us and thank all of our listeners. This concludes our episode of the Clinical Nutrition Notes podcast. To listen to more podcasts or to subscribe to Clinical Nutrition Notes, visit our website at nestlehealthscience.ca.